This is the Cine Snob Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 199 Ow. of the Cine Snob Podcast. Look <laughs> so at that. On the, on the doorstep of 200, and then we wrap it all up. Mm-hmm. Or, I don't know. Anyway, uh, my name is Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Jocelyn Durand. Cody, you sound a little low. Is it? Uh, oh, do I? You might uh, jack your uh, jack your gain up there. I should have mentioned this before the show, but you know, <laughs> hey, how's that Coke Zero tasting, Cody? Pretty good. How's my mic sounding? It's all right. You could be a little louder, but um, I like you know. to imagine you meant that Cody sounds a little down. You do sound a little down, buddy. How was? Oh, how's it? Go- <laughs> okay. Well, we'll wait till Cody adjusts. How about his, now? Uh, there we better. go. There we go. Much, Much better. better. Hi, you're you're back. Uh, we're back this week. Uh, we had last week off uh, while Cody was sun dancing, mm-hmm. um, watching thirty freaking movies. Yeah, interviewed uh, Edgar Wright. We released yeah. that as a bonus episode last week. How'd that go? Uh, it went well. Both the interview and the festival. You know, it was my first Sundance experience. Something I've always wanted to do. Um, and uh, you didn't have to travel to I... Park Slope, Park City. I thought it was Park. Uh, park park slope is in brooklyn oh yeah park city utah uh and uh and yeah and apparently it's kind of a hellish experience just because there's apparently like black ice everywhere and it's hard to find food and they don't let you bring food into theaters and just kind of (laughs) reading like it it seems like the anti south by southwest in terms of just like you know south by southwest can be annoying but like it's pretty easy to navigate south by southwest yeah um but uh yeah so over the span of six days, I watched 28 m- movies. Uh, I watched one of the movies twice, and then I watched Glitch in the Matrix, um, which was playing at Sundance. So let's call it 30. Um, was Coda <laughs> twice? Yeah, I watched Coda twice. The, so Coda's the, the movie that uh, won the jury and the audience award. It set the record for the highest paid acquisition title ever. Apple TV Plus bought it for $25 million. Which beat out Palm Springs' record from last year. Isn't the the biggest star? Uh, is that the one with Eugenio Derbez? Yeah, he's the, big, the biggest. He's the star. big name. Um, which is which he's great in. I don't. I, I guess he plays it a little bit more subtle than I think he might play a lot of his other stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it was great. I mean, the the scheduling movies could not have been any easier i used the apple tv app which could not have been any easier it was organized it was uh the quality of the movies was sort of interesting because i would say i saw like two great movies three or four good ones and the rest were like eh, whatever Hmm. um which out of sundance i think you you expect a higher rate of success but also, this is a very different Sundance where, um, you know, you had to take the risk of, of letting your film get out there via, um, you know, being at home and, and the buzz is a little bit different. And, you know, I don't I don't think there was many instances of people like bringing a movie to Sundance to try to get bought. Um, that happened. But yeah. So uh, what uh, what was the scheduling like? Did you everything was like timed to watch at a certain time? Yeah, so basically the way that it works is just like a normal film festival where there's um, like five time slots a day and like three or four movies showing at each time. And so what what you basically did was you had a three-hour window to start the movie. Um, But what they wanted you to do was try to start it right at that time to recreate the festival experience because it would lead right into a live stream Q&A. So... um, so basically, you 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 had three hours to watch it. So I I kept on schedule pretty pretty routinely. Um, and then what you could do is, um, uh, if you were press a day later, you could go back and watch what you missed on VOD. And then if you were a regular audience, you could watch it two days later uh, on VOD. So you could catch up on like so if there's really buzzy stuff that's out there that you didn't get to fit in, you have a chance to go back and watch it. Cool. Um, so you've got uh, a lot of coverage. You did. Mm-hmm. Um, over at cbsaustin.com yeah which uh which i published for you so uh yeah i got i think i might have one or one more piece that's going up yeah it's just a festival recap i'm waiting on that from you cody you said you were gonna have that to me last week and well god my, damn it yeah, my you, you're my editor busting my ass now about <laughs> coverage turn in that coverage cody uh air, yeah. not art cody yeah but i wrote i wrote <laughs> reviews for um damn yeah uh i wrote reviews <laughs> for um 
for uh, Mass, which was the best movie I saw at Sundance. Incredible film that I still has not been bought, but whenever it it, it comes out, it has like legitimate awards acting potential to it. Um, so m- there's reviews for Mass, uh, Son of Monarchs, Jockey, and um, um, the there's like an apocalypse movie that I reviewed. Um, something the end. Man, I the it's it's there has been a blur of movies. It's crazy. I think it's called How It Ends is the other one I wrote a review for. Um, but yeah, it, it it did a great job. You know, it's out for South by Southwest and Jared. I, you used to do this too back when you lived here. But we would commute every day. <laughs> oh, and, it sucked, dude. And, that sucked wow. so bad. <laughs> so like, so like, what would happen is when Jared when Jared and I would carpool. Um, we would be we would leave at like seven in the morning and then and then drive to Austin, do a whole day of stuff, and then leave Austin at like like eight, nine o'clock yeah. or so and go home and then do it all again the next day for several the best days. Best part of South by is like going out afterwards and running into people I mean, in bars we, and stuff. We would do some of that. Um I think we, the last thing we did that time. That was the last time. The last time we did that is when I got sick as a dog. We both got sick. Yeah, I was sick I mean, too. Um, we were at that casino night thing. I remember that. Yeah, with our our my friend Alana, um, who used to work in San Antonio. Also, um, yeah, that was the we we would go out. But yeah, I mean, it, it, getting a hotel is ridiculous for South by. Yeah. Um, and you know we were so close. I mean, and it's like, hard to justify when it's just like an hour drive in your home. And yeah, I mean, yeah, it sucked every 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 time. Fun. It sucked. Um, I rented a camper or something. I still do it every year, and it, it an RV. It, it gets harder to do every <laughs> a year. A cine snob RV. Yeah, I uh, even even getting downtown from my house is not my favorite thing to do. Um, I can I've taken the train a couple times, and that's not bad. Um, but like everybody's there taking the train. Like I've seen some of our um, Houston Film Critics Society colleagues at the same train stop as me, like pulling the same uh, thing. Like I'm at the like, the second farthest north train stop here, and like I see people that I know getting on there. Like, oh, you're not even from here. Why'd you come to this train stop? <laughs> it's part of the reason why why I have like a three day in a row max that I can handle at South by. If I was in Austin, I would go every single day. But like after day three of all day, and then the travel back and forth, I'm like, I don't, I can't do oh, this. Oh no, it's, again. it's brutal. Well, and you know, the the uh, screening process has always been evolving there too. It's been like, uh, um, you know, sometimes it's it's really easy to get a ticket. Sometimes it's a like a real crapshoot to get a ticket. Yeah. Um, are you doing it this year, Cody? I can't remember. I plan on it. Yeah, I, I want to. Um, and and it's it's gotten better because you used to. So they now have an online reservation system, but previously you, you had to get into line every yeah. morning at like I think the line opened at like nine a.m. Um, and, <laughs> and there'd and, be people waiting, camping out, there. camping out, and and so basically you could like guarantee a ticket. It's called an express pass at South by Southwest. <laughs> And so that's why we had to be up at 7.30 or 7 in the morning to get to Austin to find parking and then to, uh, and then to get into line to guarantee tickets. Now, I've, I've since learned how to navigate that a little bit better, but um, yeah, just, I mean, the plus side is free breakfast most days, but you know. Yeah, there was used to be a, a competition to see how many times we could eat free food. <laughs> it, there still is for me. Yeah. Um, is it going to be virtual this year? Yeah. yeah. So it'll be like Sundance. Similar. Yeah, I man, I talking to people at work, we were we've been kind of discussing this one year of this pandemic. And South by was the real uh bellwether for everything getting canceled. Yeah. Uh because that yeah. was the first big event that was like they were they were planning on holding it. Oh yeah. Like and then like I think it's March 12th is when things started shutting down and that's when they finally shut it down. There, um, it, it was it was shut down close enough to the festival where I remember like really wrestling with whether or not I was going to go. Like yeah. I was really considering that option especially because I had like a, a, some interviews potentially lined up and I was like, "Ugh, do I want to risk and and like what like 4 days, 5 days before the festival it officially got canceled?" Um, God. it was less than a week, I think. I thought it was like 
like a few days before. Yeah. I don't remember exactly because it was something we were talking about forever mm-hmm. um, happening between you and I, Cody, and then us at work because it's a huge deal for us here in Austin. But um, I don't know that it's ever going to be back to the same way it was. I don't know. That's a yeah. weird because I mean, that thing is like, Jocelyn, did you ever go to South by when you were here? I went 15 years ago. I worked, yeah. I, I wrote reviews for the um, brochure or synopsis for the brochure. So I got like a gold pass to everything and it was great. It was so easy, but that was the one, one and only time, I think, especially when I was a student, I would avoid, Oh yeah, everyone yeah. would avoid, you know, South by when they were, but you I mean, know, it's so packed all the time. And I, unless you're working it, I don't know, unless you get like those perks, it's just too hard. We I roll. We roll with platinum passes typically. Yeah, so. yeah. I think I got a platinum too. So, but once fifteen years ago. <laughs> I, I I will say this for I after Sundance, I am a big proponent of the virtual uh, film festival experience. Like, first and foremost, the, the the way that the app works, like you're getting like a full like 1080p HD screener of these movies. They look amazing. And, like, there's a tiny, tiny, tiny little uh, watermark on them. So it, it's not, like, a super disruptive. Like, Sundance had it down. And and just the ability to not have to worry about – I mean, yes, tickets are limited. But, like, it could not have been easier to sign up for it. Um, you don't have to bounce around from venue to venue. Um, you can watch from the comfort of your own home. You can, you know, buy your own snacks and save, a, you know, thousands of dollars. You can sleep in your own bed. Like, it was just a great experience. And I, and I kind of wonder what happens – you know, next year, especially if this is like a slow rollout of stuff and it, and it's kind Man, of, but you're not having that experience with other people and well, standing it, in line with like, Oh my God. Well, but is, is the point of a film festival to do that or to watch yes. movies? No, <laughs> I, yeah. No, I mean, and, and we've talked about this before. We've had some absolutely electric experiences sure. at a film festival. Yeah. Um, but then a lot of times though, you just, you're just watching a movie in a theater, you know, it doesn't really matter. No, and, and that's true. And sometimes it, it can influence like what you think about a movie oh, because of, 1, you know, the director is there and yeah. Well, I mean, I, the festival bubble is a very real thing for sure. Um, you know, like everyone loves it. Uh huh. And then it's, it's like a, mediocre. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, I wasn't even a big fan. I mean, I, Baby Driver is a, it's a good movie. I don't think it's great, but it's one of the best theater going experiences I've ever had oh, because I it bet. was so, yeah. it was so energetic and so yeah. fun. Um, you know, and it doesn't really, you know, it, it that's the, what I think of when I think of the movie. I don't think of anything about the movie. I mean, except right. for that it's got Kevin Spacey pretty prominent in it. Anyway. <laughs> um, Anyway, um, it's also Super Bowl Sunday, everyone, so yeah. um, we're going to try to wrap this up quicker today. I don't know what's happening over there. Something, Somebody's uh, mic just went crazy. Probably mine. Probably. Yeah. It you, Yeah, we, we just uh, we got a lesson that you have a French keyboard uh, oh, gosh. before the show, and oh, that's there, really it, it baffling to me. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea that they had different keyboards either, but it's just- Wait, how long have you been many. living with that with that <laughs> No, keyboard? I mean, before I met- before I met Gaethan, I didn't realize there was like different keyboards. And the the really horrible thing about it is like it's so so close to being similar with just like a few things that are different that it just drives you crazy. So, yeah. is it uh, still a QWERTY setup? Or no, it... that's the whole thing. Oh god, QWERTY yeah, the letters are just... in the different place, uh, different places. Okay, and look at the numbers at the top. You have you have to use the shift to get numbers. Oh, good lord! So it defaults to the symbols. Throw that thing out the window. <laughs> well, I'm sure. Yeah. Spill a coat. Spill a spill a spill a tea in it or something. All right. So we hit our French quota. Anyway, and I'm going to uh, mention what's it called? Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf today? Too. <laughs> I knew you were I thought, going to. I thought that was going to come out. I have God, to, and I, I, I was kicking myself because I was like, "Damn it." I don't right. want to. Get a well, new reference. Uh, <laughs> in that case, let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Malcolm and Marie. You are by far the most excruciating, difficult, stubbornly obnoxious woman I've ever met in my entire life. I fucking love you. Oh, he's so sensitive. He's romantic. Very sweet, right? Well, I mean, yeah. When he's not being an emotional fucking terrorist. Oh. 
I love the way you see the world, Marie. Mystery. The unknown. It's what supports the tension of a relationship. You're angry. No. The what if factor. Marie. Marie. What if there's someone who loved them better? Oh, sorry. Got a little uh, <laughs> surprised by that cut that I made. Uh, <laughs> this is a uh, Netflix film, uh, again, sort of uh, famously filmed during the lockdown. It is a uh, old-fashioned two-hander, as they call it. It just has two cast members, being uh, Zendaya and uh, John David Washington, Jocelyn. Tell us about Malcolm and Marie, how it relates to Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, and <laughs> what you thought of it. Great, yeah. So, um, basically, it's the aftermath of uh, Malcolm's premiere uh, of his film. And uh, him and Marie just basically go around and argue or alternatively make up. Um, and like you said, it's just the two of them, the entire movie in this, you know, mansion in, I assume LA, um, Malibu, and, I think you call, I think it's Malibu. Oh, it's specifically Malibu. Okay. Thank you. So, um, they, I mean, it's shot beautifully. It looks gorgeous. And, you know, I really wanted to enjoy this movie, but it's sort of, um, this beautiful movie about these two insufferable people and, um, like you said, it's sort of who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, but I would say like a very, uh, you know, light version of that because while the acting is very good, the, the script is horrible. And it sounds like these two, you know, characters are literally reading from a script. Like there's no authenticity, which is funny because that's a big thing in the movie is authenticity, but there's no authenticity to the, um, words that they're saying. Like it's, it's, nobody speaks like this. And, you know, it's just this like really, really like circular dialogue, the entire movie, you're just going in these circles um, and ultimately yeah. not getting anywhere. And that's really sad because like I said, it's beautifully shot. Like the acting is wonderful. I feel like they wasted an opportunity here with this really boring script. Cody, what about you? Well, I, you know, it's, it's tough to say because I think that, that the acting is mostly good, but I think that John David Washington in particular, actually his performance gets brought down by the words he's saying, um, <laughs> you know, the, the way, the best way that I can describe this film is it is a, it is a student film with like really good actors in it, uh, <laughs> Down to like this, this, there's like you know a very preachy moments that recall f like name dropping film history and directors and stuff like like the most like even a film professor would be like mm, tone it down a little bit maybe you know like <laughs> it is it is like aggressively um pre pretentious self referential like like when like when uh, my my favorite example of this in in another movie is when. Uh, in Molly's game where they both start quoting the crucible, like fuck yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And, and so basically the whole thing, you know, hinges on this, you know, the, the premiere of Malcolm's film. Um, and, 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 you know, one thing it's been getting a lot of, you know, press for is that it, it has uh, a lot of bashing of film critics in it. And, um, and does so in a way that it's like Sam Levinson got a bad review once, and this is his way of getting back at something and in, in someone. And, um, and it just, you know, doesn't make, it doesn't make much sense. The, the, the problem beyond that and beyond these, these things is that, you know, when you're watching the movie, it's, 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 it's a cyclical thing of just like a big fight and then making up, but also, nobody sticks to a point of view or a perspective at all. Like literally one moment someone says something and the next moment they're arguing about like the direct opposite of it. No one's authentic for any, any more than a second because their change of view or their point of view changes, you know, minute to minute. And, you know, you think that things are okay and they're lovey-dovey and then someone disappears for a second and then it's like a flood of new information hit them and now they're starting an argument over... Like you were, you were just fine ten seconds ago. It's like 
it's like needling and picking fights every few moments. Um, and it's exhausting. It's just exhausting <laughs> to it watch. Is. Yeah, exhausting's um, a good word. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like those aren't occasionally real circumstances of a relationship fight. <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry, Cody. I don't want to. Well, well interrupt you. sure, yes, and that's totally fine. But like, the whole thing is a two-hour fight. But it's right. the, it, but it's not just that. It's like a cycle of it. Like you can predict what's going to happen. It's going to be a fight, and then they're going to be okay, and then another fight, and then they're going to be okay for a minute, and then another fight. Like and it just repeats. Right, and one person's going to be clearly wrong. And yeah. nobody speaks like that during a fight. The well, things that they're hurling at each other are ridiculous. I mean, they <laughs> like. I, I wish I had a, an example. Like they're going for fatal. They're but. going for fatalities for kill shots every single time. But yeah, and they're so they're so heady. Like they're like, well, you're you know you're clearly in, in insecure about this moment in our relation, and it's like what? Like no, nobody set fights like this. Look, the best way I can describe it is it's a lovely, beautiful love story about two people who hate each other. <laughs> like, like, the, and, and I think that that kills the chemistry of it all because they clearly hate each other. Like, they're like when you're watching it, you're like, why are these people together at all? Because every single set, like, like the depths to which these insults cut would make it so that nobody would ever stick in this relationship. And I think that's why it's so overwritten is because like, you know, like you said, every, you know, you're hurling fatalities at each other. Nobody would put themselves through this. And, and as a result, there's no authenticity for the relationship because you can't understand why either person in this case, but especially Zendaya in this movie would ever stick around of a relation with a relationship like this. Well, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, and that's about it. I mean, like, it, it's just it just becomes like extremely difficult to watch, but not because it's like too much. It's just it's just unpleasant. It's just an unpleasant experience. Yeah. So I was just wondering, like, just fucking go to bed. <laughs> I mean, just shut up. <laughs> just fucking stop. Like, it's they're arguing through the night in these like killer fights. Just these just these terrible lobs back and forth and alternately like like with the movie has a very clear point of view it seems that shifts all the time like uh the initial thing that starts this argument is zendaya mad that getting mad that he didn't thank her at the premiere which is a real fucking petty thing to to kind of base this whole thing on but it uncovers all this other stuff that and she's a former addict and all this other I mean there's just a whole bunch of nonsense in this thing that makes none neither of these characters <laughs> likable at all nonsense yeah I mean it's like, just totally. I mean it's just um again it's <laughs> it's like a rich people problem movie again all over again like it's just like I don't care I don't and, care. Like, break know, up. I don't care. You're all. You're both assholes. We mentioned the acting, but there's also, I think, like Cody mentioned, like it being a student film. There's some real student level acting here oh. with like the lip quivering. It was really I, I, embarrassing. I I get it. I mean, by that point, I was not invested anymore at all. Um, the the critic thing, though, I think is buried deep in the like a a racist a, a sort of racial uh, thing too. Basically, the the uh, the character of uh, Malcolm is basically saying that that uh, the new the L.A. Times film critic that he's bitching about has no real stance to criticize to to talk about his story other than because she's white. By the way, and I sh we should say this: it was a very positive review that he got. Right, right, and he, he's breaking it down in like all this weird code, and he's like. You know, people are comparing him to Spike Lee and John Singleton and, and you know, other prominent black directors. And and he's talking about a fucking sweet, uh, Swiss director named William Wyler, who is his inspiration. Like, shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> you fucking douche. Like, you, you made a, a movie that sounds shitty. And, <laughs> like, it's just, it's just this... It reminds me of... Um, now, Cody knows this reference. Maybe Jocelyn. I don't think you yeah. saw Entourage, the Entourage movie. Um, but the, the <laughs> movie that... the mo Entourage. The movie Inside itself. Of. Oh, no, no, no. Not the... There's a... Not the a what is it? Um, fuck, what is it? Is it like a 
techno version of the Great Gatsby or something that he makes. Oh, Cody, man. Cody, remember? <laughs> like Vince, uh, Vince in the movie? Chase. Yeah. Oh. He like directs a, look it up. <laughs> he directs this movie that when you see a clip of it, you're like, this is fucking douche city. And it's supposed to get like this all this awesome praise and like <laughs> critical acclaim. Um I think that, oh it's it's on- oh it's the Hyde. It's like the Dr. Oh, Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde. Jekyll yeah. and Hyde. Okay, okay, yes. I wish I Entourage was called Douche City, by the way. I think that, that would be a more <laughs> That was the working thing. title. Yeah. I mean, it's just, that's kind of what it reminds me of, is just this, <laughs> this like, and um, to bring up Sorkin again, um, Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, if either of you ever saw that one. I need we're just, to there's, see that. There's, what? I hear that's amazing. It is not. It's like on my list. <laughs> oh, it really? is not. No. Okay. Well, I mean, because you, it's again. I his best. No, it's Are it's famously me? bad. Um, I thought it was his best. No, 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 no. I mean, West Wing is still his best well, show. I mean, but there's people who are like huge, you know. Sort of uh, it was a it was a notorious was flop. Um, but the problem but, with that is you you've got these characters that everyone calls geniuses, and you see no exhibition of that. You, they're they're like these creative geniuses, but the the only way they exhibit that genius is by talking about how people talk about them being a genius. Yeah. And that's what this is full of. And it's just like this whole thing is just a artifice for bullshit. Well, and, and I think it's, it's, it's severely hurt by the fact that it's, it's a bunch of conversations in, in like not just conversations, but like long ass monologues about a movie that is about a fictional movie that doesn't exist that we're gaining all of our context through dialogue. Like, <laughs> right. so, so we're listening to people like, like painstakingly argue over something we don't even know what it is. Yeah. Uh, and we have to gather details from everything. And our narrators here are very unreliable as we find out. So um, it's, it's just, it just turns into this very unpleasant experience that, you know, had it, had, had there been any two lesser actors, this would have been razzy material. <laughs> All right. Well, let's finish this up. Grades, Cody. I'm I'm gonna have to give it a, a D plus. I mean, I think it's just Ooh. it's just an exhausting experience. I didn't like any of it. I think the performances are good at uh, in times, but or at times. But honestly, John David Washington is extremely annoying in in <laughs> in this movie, and it's not his fault, you know, because when he's playing, because he, he plays it huge. I mean, there's moments in this where he's straight Denzel in a lot of it, and, uh, you know, when he's playing these terrible lines huge, it just accentuates how bad it is, and I think, unfortunately, he's he's brought down by a, by a horrific script. Jocelyn. Um, I, I'm going to go with a straight C just because at least I thought it was pretty to look at. And there was some interesting <laughs> directing, you know, uh, sort of choices. I think the music and how it's kind of woven in is sort of interesting. There's some great, not great, sorry. There's some like interesting shots and, and things like that, that sort of strung it along for me. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was, it was not a fun watch. So yeah, just a straight C. Uh, I, I'm gonna bring up one thing, Cody. Did you notice how how like big John David Washington ate that fucking mac and cheese? Bro? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesus That's like Christ Almighty. Do you, do you remember that uh, the the character um, that um, oh god who oh Nick Kroll uh, did on on Conan or or one of the, I think it was Conan where he did the '70s guy eating in a movie. Uh, I remember that. And it's like aggressively <laughs> dipping French fries and like throwing them into his mouth. It reminded me of that. Because he, he's, he's like, like watch like stabbing it. Stabbing like with a fork. I mean, it's weird. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to give this a C minus. This was exhausting. Um, you know, I do think there is some, some cool directing touches. Um, I think there's a couple of unbroken shots that are interesting. But man, this is a real exhausting movie. But it is available on Netflix if you want to watch it. So, um, okay, let's move on to our next movie Little Fish. They call it NIA, neuroinflammatory affliction, and it can affect anyone. Like the man picked up by a fishing boat. It turned out he was another fisherman, couldn't remember how to steer his boat, so he decided to swim home. And then a pilot forgot how to fly. Listen carefully. If you are experiencing NIA symptoms, I need you over here. The government have the true cure. They've been keeping NIA on the streets. It's no wonder people went crazy. This is not a proven cure. We urge everyone to remain calm. 
so the treatment, is it like a, a pill or? We'll be doing an oral cranial puncture. Sorry, what? The brain is separated into four major lobes. Think of it as clearing a clogged pathway beneath the lateral vision. Who am I? How old am I? What's my favorite color? This is a film uh, starring uh, Olivia Cook and Jack O'Connell. Uh, it's basically about a um, kind of a pandemic, uh, not quite the same thing, but uh, of people sort of uh, forgetting things at different levels. Jocelyn, tell us about Little Fish. Oh, she's starting again, huh? I get to go again. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cody, I forgot. Cody, God. Cody. <laughs> the Cody. Jocelyn show. Sorry. Yeah, Cody, what the hell? Cody. I'm pushed out of my. I'm sorry, jeez. <laughs> Your own show. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cody. So yeah. So so basically, what you can. I feel like I'm not centered here. Oh um, God! You wanted to go first, and now you're not even ready. Uh, so I feel <laughs> okay. So this is essentially a. Um, it's 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 about a pandemic like thing that you can think of as basically like an acute alzheimer's so it's it, it happens it's like a rapid onset for a lot of people and for some cases um a little bit slower but it's memory loss um that seems to be um you know spreading and uh happening to like people of all ages um and so basically it's a story that is sort of akin to eternal sunshine in a way where it's people trying to sort of hold on to you know memories of a relationship um uh, and uh and uh it features like you said Olivia Cook who I think for the first time ever is using her actual accent <laughs> in a movie uh and then Jack O'Connell is who not. is not <laughs> yeah Jack O'Connell who is not using his accent um uh but uh uh and, and it is it's essentially basically as you can see from the from the clip there he starts exhibiting signs of that and they try to hold uh everything together and so it's it's largely a romance movie that you know it's it's non-linear that's happening you know you're seeing things out of order and and um in in that in the way that that contributes to the story a little bit um i'm a little bit torn on this because i think the performances are good uh olivia cook is especially really good um Jack O'Connell took a little bit to warm up to, I think, in, in the movie, but I think I ended up liking um, the performance. The, it just, I don't know about how you guys felt. I feel like it doesn't have much of a pulse. Um, I, I feel like it's just a little limp in terms of its energy and, uh, and very self-serious, very uh, dramatic and, and maybe teetering on melodrama at, at times. Um, and, and I never quite got into it. Um, I, I think that... The story it's telling um, is interesting sort of on the surface level, but I'm, I'm not sure that they ever do anything particularly new with it. Um, I, I do, I, I'm going to disagree a little bit there. I mean, because I think it by the when the mo the end of the movie rolls around, you're kind of wondering what's going on mm -hmm. because of the way it ends. Yeah. Um, but I don't think up until that point it's. Mm, I mean, the, the, there's an intriguing premise. I think that, not to get on on a rant tangent here, but um, a rant gent. I'm not get off on a rant here. <laughs> um, a rant um, The uh, the idea is that people are forgetting things, like the the, tr the clip we played, like a pilot forgot how to fly, and the the uh, the, uh, the marathon runner who forgot to stop running. Stop running, right? You know, there seems to be these kind of like giant personality shift things and then just like little details that people stop forgetting. So I think it's interesting in that there's like grades of it, but I think it's, you know, the the affliction that that uh, Jack O'Connell comes down with is a little more convenient for the plot than it is like, oh, I just forgot how to do something that I've done forever. Like, it'd be yeah. like, I forgot that I ha that I don't have to breathe. Yeah. Um, I don't have to think about breathing, so. Yeah, and I think, I actually think the most affecting part of the movie is this, like, B story of the friend who, who gets, uh, they have a friend who gets, um, you know, afflicted with it, and they show signs of the, ter the deterioration of him Actually, I think is more impactful than any of the Jack O'Connell stuff. I think maybe because he seems to be lying somewhere in between at times. Um, and um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I I can't put my finger exactly on what it was, but I, I I felt like it was it was just sort of DOA, and I, and I had trouble like hooking into the energy of the movie. Um, Are I just, you saying it wasn't 
memorable? <laughs> uh, no, I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm just, uh, I can't remember anything I liked about it in particular. <laughs> no, um, you know, I, 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 good performances. I really like Olivia Cook in almost everything I've ever seen her in, and, and this is no exception. Um, I just, I just feel like it, it just takes a premise that, like a, a, a memory loss film premise, and, and just doesn't, you know, other than the fact that it happens acutely and to people who are, you know, and, and it seems to be either, you know, transmissible or, um, you know, a, in a pandemic style, I, I don't really think it does much with the premise. And I just, you know, not bad, but just kind of a sleepy movie, I think is the best way to put it for me. Jocelyn, what about you? Um, so I, I'm sort of the opposite where I liked it from the beginning. For me, it sort of felt like a Black Mirror episode where it was like one of the more, uh, you know, warm Black Mirror episodes where there's this nice relationship happening and then there's just something kind of underneath that's odd and it just kind of like slowly um, unveils itself to be like this kind of scary situation that the world is going through. But for me, it lost me when it started becoming um, more specific about the cure and and the sort of like um, lengths that people are going to to uh, cure themselves of this kind of affliction that's happening. Um, and then I think like you guys were describing at the end, it's sort of murky what exactly is happening. And, and that's again when it sort of lost me, but I was on board for the beginning and I really liked the relationship and, and the stories that they were telling. And, and like Cody said, that sort of um, subplot with Ben, the character, I really enjoyed. I thought that that was like a really beautiful way of showing like what this can do to people in this universe. And again, I just didn't like it when it started getting so specific about like, um, okay, now we're going to try to do this procedure that was like, oh, it, it got a little too much. And I wish they had made it less like specific and more, I don't know how to describe it, but more like how the, the beginning of the movie had been where it was just sort of like um, these ideas or these like feelings that you were sort of like un uncovering as you watched. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, and, and I think the biggest thing here is that we're left with, a, as we talked about in the last film, an unreliable narrator, ultimately, we learn with Olivia Cook's character, who, um, I guess, mild spoiler alert, is also having memory issues. Uh, so we see the story told from her point of view mostly um, and, and trying to cope with um, Jack O'Connell's character's you know, fading memories and, and, you know, kind of difference of, uh, you know, different things that, that he's going through to affect it and how, how there's a cure that is basically punching a hole in like your soft palate into your brain, which I mean, I don't know the medicine, medicine behind that, but that seems logical. You know, <laughs> unclog your brain. But uh, it reminded me of, um, when they used to do like, uh, lobotomies but, mm -hmm. and they used to put like the toothpick, or the ice picks in the eyes to reach the certain points of the brain. Anyway, that was just a little sidebar. That's grim. Um, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> this is, uh, I think it's, it's I, I liked it more than I think either of the two of you did. I, I didn't mind the cure part of it. And I think it's, yeah, it's a sleepy kind of little movie, but I think it's, it kind of um, plays around with the concept of memory. And, you know, there's some big and showy stuff like Eternal Sunshine, I think, is probably the standard bearer for stuff like this. Um, but there's some really kind of, you know, touching little moments in it, I think, that um, I wasn't expecting. And, you know, the the storyline with the friend is is interesting. I don't think it's better than the main storyline. But um, And then by the time the end rolls around, you're kind of left wondering what we just watched, um, which is interesting in a puzzling sort of way but um I, I i thought it was really good i i i was very surprised by it it wasn't um you know over the top or anything um you know it, it's um probably a little more prescient now than it would have been you know a year ago uh knowing that that everyone's sort of living with this same thing but um yeah i i i, I liked it i i enjoyed it more than the two of you i i don't really have much more to say without kind of spoiling what happens but um Anyway. I think you're underestimating how much I liked it. Oh. I really, I liked it. Okay, well then, grades, Cody. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I uh, 
I'm, I'm, I'm torn, but I'm going to have to go with my gut and go with a C plus. It just didn't work for me. Jocelyn, I guess we'll see how how much we liked it, Jared. But I'm I'm going with a B minus. Um, I I was surprised by how much I liked it, but it did kind of lose me towards the end. I'm gonna go with a solid B. So uh, I think it was. Um, I think it's a good, quiet little movie. I think it's. Um, you know, it's not. It's not uh, kind of the spectacle you might be expecting. In something like this, but um, that's available now on. It's demand. not an expectacle. It's not an expectacle, huh? <laughs> it's on demand right now. If you want to check that out, um, let's move on to our last movie, A Glitch in the Matrix. I have, through dreaming and waking up, lived thousands of different lifetimes. There are fundamental metaphors about reality. Waking up from a dream. We have this cognitive experience of shifting between realities. There's another world behind this world. Okay, so this is going to set the tenor for everything. We are living in a computer programmed reality. Simulation theory is the idea that this is all fake. The Matrix was real. We are being inhabited by some sort of player. I would start giving myself tests. I'm thinking of someone and I turn the corner and there they are. The only clue we have is when some alteration in our reality occurs. All right, guys, let get your best psychedelics ready um, <laughs> to talk about this movie. This is a uh, documentary um, probably the best known film from this director is uh, Room 237, The Shining documentary. Um, this is about uh, the notion that reality is a computer simulation. And, and this uh, was a Sundance premiere. This premiered at yeah. Sundance last week. And this is um, just a bunch of potheads talking. I don't know what. <laughs> anyway, Jocelyn. Yay. Tell us about a glitch in the matrix and, and fuck, tell us what you fucking yeah. open our fucking eyes. I'm open so our glad, third eye. Jared, I'm so glad you said that. So I <laughs> Which part? <laughs> the the part about the potheads. Oh, okay. Um because so I really love you know, every now and then this these types of documentaries come along about something that you might be like kind of interested in knowing more about. And I really love that, you know, sometimes you will become an expert in like these odd things just because you've seen a movie about them. Do you I'm sure you guys have experienced that kind of a <laughs> well, thing wait before. A minute. Wait a minute. Are you talking yes. about like a real expert or like this bullshit? No, I'm talking about like, yes, not this movie, but I'm talking about like previous movies where it's like, oh, this movie's going to explore like this strange thing that you've heard about, and then you're like, wow, that's super super fascinating and now i'm almost you know i know so much about this one particular subject because i've seen this movie about it okay i'm not sure where you're going but uh, but go on so uh, what i'm saying is i was excited to see this because i was like oh simulation theory that's going to be fascinating and i'm going to you know learn so much from this documentary about it um I was expecting that and and <laughs> I can't tell you how disappointed I was. Um, so basically, as you mentioned, this this movie is supposed to be about simulation theory. Um, and instead, what you get are these, you know, interviews with these uh, people who um, believe that they are in a simulation. Um, and and literally, it's just things that they feel the entire movie. It is there's no evidence, there is no like, you know, <laughs> a bunch of dudes saw the matrix and haven't shut the fuck up about it for the last 22 fucking years. Jared, I'm so happy that you feel the way that I feel about this <laughs> movie because I hated it. And I mean, I went on a little rant before Cody had seen it and I had to like remove all my messages. I felt that I let me just say, I, then, I, no, I'm not even done. Then <laughs> it gets worse because then they interview a fucking active shooter. And I was so fucking sick of it at this point that I was like, oh, sure. Let, yeah, let's just let this gentleman now tell us in graphic detail about murdering people and then blame it on the Matrix, which I think that they even said, OK, great. He didn't even use the Matrix defense, but. For all of these people to do so much with their lives 
because of a mediocre at best movie, it drives me <laughs> mad. It made me crazy. Um, I, I, I have a few other points. I wanted to say I felt like I was watching a movie about QAnon theories. Like that is how much evidence these people bring to this. Okay, and Cody, I know, is going to say that it is more of a theory and not an actual thing, and that's maybe why they aren't presenting evidence. But it literally is just like, well, I feel <laughs> like this way, and I feel like that way. Um, and then also, the last thing I'm going to say before I give Cody an opportunity to to defend it a little bit is that this is just so much first world white men problems. And it pissed me off because like, there's literally like one person, one woman interviewed in this movie. And she's, and she's the one that's telling people, yeah. no, she's the one that's telling people like, yeah, that's a uh, school shooter mentality. Like, right. She's like the only one that's an actual, you know, has actual, like, um, you assume authoritative, you ass knowledge of this. you assume that the they're white are just men. These <laughs> men who are like really too far into this ridiculous notion and it's not interesting to watch so sorry you, as by the way, you assume they were white men because they're all avatars i don't you're believe absolutely right i i thought someone might bring that up because by the way i know, don't believe uh i don't believe joshua cook is white either all right fine and the, they mentioned the dc sniper Racing. who is not white yeah. Yeah, okay, email, well then though. just men. Yeah. Just men. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't I don't I'm not going to defend anything here. I just I, I feel like there's a couple there's a number of problems here, and I think a lot of it has to do with filmmaking at the end of the day. Um in in so the first issue I think with the movie is that Look, they could have just called this conjecture the documentary. Like <laughs> all, all that is happening in this movie is just baseless conjecture. And Jocelyn is absolutely right in that, you know, a, a number of the people who are speaking in in favor of the theory, they're they they have no their evidence is yeah, like I experienced this once. And like one of them was drunk when it happened. <laughs> like uh, like uh, one of them, one I think. A child. Yeah, the, one was it. Yeah, they were children when these things happen. Like it's magical thinking. It's not. This isn't like a a particularly fascinating thing to say that kids ma have magical thinking and and people may not remember things right or perceive things differently when they're drunk or whatever. But you know, it's it's just this idea that someone is like, yeah, and I just like realized when I was sitting in the car, this is all a simulation, and then like, that, like that's it, <laughs> that's the extent of their argument is that so, yeah, and then like to what end, like yeah, <laughs> like yeah, why? and so and so when I was saying with Jocelyn in terms of the theory piece is that is that you know the the theory of simulation theory seems to be rooted heavily in philosophy and not in science or anything like that, so. As a philosophical thing, it's just this philosophical idea that people have that, yes, in theory, philosophically, maybe this is all a simulation. But but the the, the director provides no sort of sound scientific context to this being the case, I don't think, at any point. Um, or at best, it's conjecture. Um, I think the other piece is that so, – so Jocelyn was talking a little bit about – so they talk about a guy who was in uh, Virginia – who essentially was obsessed with the Matrix and believed that he was Neo and believed that he was living in the Matrix and killed his parents because I guess his idea was that he was trying to prove to himself that he was in the Matrix, and so that's what he did. Um, and I don't think inherently that that, that that story is bad or wrong for the movie. The problem is that Rodney Ash doesn't seem to take any point of view at any point in the movie so if he would have taken the point of view that like this simulation theory based on the matrix is potentially really harmful and dangerous and this is an example of worst case scenario what can happen when people believe this it would have been a really affecting story but because no stance is taken and especially the way and jared you'll probably talk about this the way in which it's constructed it's like a five minute scene that's reenacted through animation like it's supposed to be like proving this major big point, but the point is lost. I don't understand what the purpose of that because the the movie doesn't take the point of view even of 
this is what happens when things go terribly wrong. It's just an example of a guy who believed in, in it. In well, my opinion, it? I think it was just that they got a got. Like they got this interview and they were going to type don't, it in. It I was don't like think almost that's the like, case. oh, like a like a hook for the movie. Like we got an interview with this guy. Well, you know, that's why it felt exploitive to me because it feels like it's just they're including it because it, it's like a, a like a, a niche that they can fit in. I, I I'm I'm in the in, in between those two things because it seems like you know I mean he's he notoriously had the the or was considering the matrix defense um you know that that segment of the movie is chilling and and I I actually do like the way it's constructed it's that kind of muddy uh google um that google rendering stuff and it looks sort of like a you know a there's there's clips of like GoldenEye in the movie. It sort of looks like that, this muddy reality that's recognizable but not nearly real. I don't, again, the movie has this point of view uh, for these people that believe this, believe it. Uh, it's completely unchallenged. And then this guy's case is... I, I I do believe, and I correct me if I'm wrong, Cody. He does have he had some sort of undiagnosed mental illness. He did, yeah. So you know, there's extenuating circumstances there. You know, if it wasn't the Matrix, it would have been something else, perhaps. Um, and I think that's really the the biggest thing about this movie is that it it doesn't call anyone on their bullshit. Yeah, like well, it and, does, and, it, and you're right. It does bury the idea that this guy had schizophrenia. Like, yeah, it's yeah. like it's it's buried in the movie, and 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 also certainly more of an explanation than just him liking the Matrix. I mean, of course, it, I mean, one hundred percent. I mean, because the Matrix isn't, um, you know, I mean, it's it, at the end of the day, it's uh, you know, it's it's people overcoming an oppressive regime like it's not like mowing down innocence because you think you're the only no. real person i mean it's you know i don't I, I'm, I'm with jocelyn like the movie's fine it's nothing but I clearly not say that <laughs> you said it's mediocre at best oh the the matrix movie oh yeah 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 i was yeah, yeah okay i thought you but, meant this one but what i'm trying to say is that that's literally everyone's touchstone in this like this fictional movie and you think about these things, and this is something, you know, everyone gets a little existential, I think, sometimes, in, in wondering, like, what the point of life is and everything. And I've thought of this, too, um, you know, mostly I'm like, eh, you know, whatever. Um, there are the things, though, I think the memory thing is an interesting one to bring up, as we talked about with the last movie. Like, so if you can say you, like, you can say you remember something from being a baby, you know, you can be like, oh, I remember like little flashes. Like I remember being in my crib. Like, do you really remember that? Or do you think you remember that because that's the point of view you would have had? Like, you know what point of view you would have had. Oh, I remember something. I'm sorry. Go ahead and I'll ah. say it. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm... Well, well, no. I And again, we're talking about the baby these, memory. The, this yeah. <laughs> I was in a crib. <laughs> we're talking about this conjecture piece. And, and I kind of said that, that, you know, again, the theme of today is unreliable narrators. But like there's they been so much time with Philip K. Dick who had these memories that came back to him after anesthesia. Like, yeah. what? Like, <laughs> like, come on. Like, not, like, and not even like not even like uh, for like not even modern anesthesia. So, fucking truth serum, sodium yeah. pentothal. Right. Like like the the rowdy ass stuff. Yeah. I mean, look, whatever, man. I, Blade Runner is a cool movie. You know, <laughs> Minority um, Report. Great. Minority movie. Report's a great movie. I don't know about the books. Um Whatever, man. Philip K. Dick. I like Man in High Castle, too. I didn't know he did that one. Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever, man. Like, whatever. It's cool. <laughs> but, like, it literally, there's there's this touchstone is always, like, some sort of... It's it's the movie of The Matrix or whatever came before it, whatever you were talking about, uh, you know, whatever time period you were. All these people seem to be The Matrix. Even the Mandela effect, they literally touched on for two seconds, and they could have explored that a lot more. Oh, the Mandela that's effect. Act- yeah, what did I say? Mandela? Sorry. Mandela. Man, man, Nelson Mandela. Mandela. <laughs> I mean, the Mandela effect thing is it's it's funny internet stuff. You know, it's like it doesn't prove anything. Yeah, it, yeah, just, it, does, but yeah. it could it could give a little more credibility to their argument. I think. Well, I mean, it's these weird existential practices. You know, it's like these things that, um, you know that 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 become these shared memories because you misinterpreted something. Like, was it? 
it's not Smokey the Bear, it's Smokey Bear, but someone will 1,000% remember it was Smokey yeah, the Bear. Yeah, it's just people misremembering things. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's and, and, and you it, know, it, easy enough it, to, to you know, lump together or whatever. And, and, you know, this is, I mean, it's just bullshit. And this is, look, I was in college when The Matrix came out. This conversation hasn't changed in 22 years. It's the same fucking horse shit it was back then. And you know what? Fine, whatever. It's cool to fucking get blitzed and talk about or whatever and bullshit yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, you know, clearly these guys are, you know, I mean, it, you know, like the, the one dude was like his excuse was like, I was, you know, 22 and I came home and all I would do is play video games. Like, yeah. <laughs> w- what? So? Like, we get it. Yeah. What the fuck do you think is, you know, it's these people, the idea that everyone is sort of like this, um, and this is, I think, the problem people had with stuff like Ready Player One, a book that I actually really liked um, that really fell out of favor with a lot of people because it has this like hero complex thing. Um, the uh, Mary Sue, if you will, that's typically reserved for female characters, but this character that gets like everything handed to them because they're the best or they're the chosen one. Um, I may have mixed those metaphors a little bit. But anyway, that's what this all boils down to. It's just bullshit. Did y'all this- see Room 237? Mm-mm. I did not, no. I hear it's a lot better. I just, I, I feel like again, it could have, it- they could have done a good job with this if they had really, I think, been more clear about what was actually happening. Well, and look, it, you it's have, like a mess. You have to challenge this. You yeah. can't right. just let these dipshits just spout off. Yeah, that's the, or, that's and, the main and problem. Or just maybe we'll include like one dipshit. Like that could no, be, they're all they're all dipshits. I just mean like one interview that's saying this. You know, I think that could have yeah, one, cleared like, it up like, as well. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. what are your grades, Jocelyn? Anyway. Um, I'm going to give it a C minus, just because I want to reserve my D pluses for uh, you know, for real, real bad ones. But yeah, I just I didn't like this at all. Cody. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think the main problem with the movie is that it doesn't challenge anything. And it and it could have used the example of the the guy who killed his parents as a challenge of it, but it doesn't. It doesn't take that stance. Um and if it if it's trying to, it doesn't do it clearly enough. Um and so uh look, I'll say this, I liked it more than Malcolm and Marie. Uh, <laughs> and uh so I'll give it a C- as well. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go C minus too. So C minus is all around. Whoa, this is so freaky! Like, whoa, whoa. I mean, oh my god! How do we all come up with the same thing? Oh man, it's like this, Shazam. Yeah, it's like, and what? it's like you know when you think, oh, you mean That's Kazam? See, I remember Shazam with Sinbad. Oh I am my god, like, you're gonna have to get. I totally believe in. You're the gonna have to get out of here. Mandela effect. <laughs> Yeah, you call it the Mandela effect. Mandela I, th- I don't effect. think you're a reliable narrator here, Jocelyn. Uh, okay. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, our 200th episode. Yeah, Y'all's yeah. 200th episode. No. Yeah, you've been here like I take no credit something. for that, yeah. We're not giving you. I've been here since like 169, actually, Cody. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's, uh, what's coming out next week? I think a couple of stragglers from... That's yeah good. so yeah well sort of so we've got um uh, uh an awards cont- a contender that actually did not open until um this year um which is uh judas and the black messiah uh-huh. uh that's opening on H- uh, hbo max daniel kaluuya um lakeith stanfield and jesse plemons co-written um, by uh the, the lucas, lucas brothers. brothers yeah strangely enough yeah, yeah. um we also have, uh, let's see, oh, um, a movie that's been talked about for what feels like a year and a half, um, had a lot of buzz and then just didn't come out, uh, Saint Maud, a, uh, oh, yeah. the A24 horror movie that's supposed to be fantastic. Uh, there's also a movie called The World to Come, a movie that opened at uh, Sundance as well, um, alongside Judas and the Black Messiah, um, that uh, that's supposed to be pretty good. And then I think think maybe i haven't decided on this uh but minari opens in theaters um in virtual cinemas on the 12th it's vod on the 26th there's a lot of opportunities to see it on the 12th through virtual cinema so we may cover it next week plus we've seen it so um so we may cover minari as well all right um if you uh want to reach us you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net find us on twitter at cinesnob facebook cinesnobnet listen to our other podcasts re-mcu re-watching the marvel cinematic universe Go back and listen to um, Corin Stream. May it rest in peace. 
I guess. <laughs> uh, Cody, you've got the Ramble. Yeah, Ramble uh, Wednesdays, uh, regular Ramble Wednesdays, Tuesday, Thursday, Ramble Radio, Thursday, Goodwillow Hunting. This upcoming week will be uh, Vacation, National Lampoon's Vacation. Ooh. Vote, uh, in the, vote in your poll as to who has the be- the worst room clearing shits or something like that, right? Yes, that is currently available. Although by airtime for this may not be. Oh, um, well, yeah. if you're watching live on Twitch right now, the oh, one yeah. person that is... Yeah, um, you would have to follow the Ramble on podcast uh, podcast Ramble one on Twitter oh. to get that link. Okay, I'll send it to you if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, what else, Jocelyn? What about you? How's it going over there? It's How's that French good. keyboard working? Oh, it's the shittiest. How's thing the ever. baby? Great. He is eating solids now, so that's fun. What kind yeah. of solids? Avocado. Oh, I'm allergic. Yeah. Are you really? Makes my lips numb. I feel like we talked oh, about this. No. It is it is that further is so evidence sad. that Jared is the whitest man on earth. <laughs> I, know. I know. God, that would break my heart. I love avocado. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Don't give him the pits. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> Good. Just Good thing she, she needed to know that. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. I'm gonna get uh. some wings. I hope you ordered them already because I you're... just I, fr- I just realized I, I forgot. I just ordered I just ordered my <laughs> I wings. So it. I already we'll picked see. ours up, so Damn, I know I was planning on doing that, but it got this day got away from me. Yeah, well let me tell you. Yeah. All right. Uh yeah. <laughs> go order your wings. On that note, I am <laughs> yeah. Jared Kingery. I am Cody Viafania. And I'm Jocelyn Duran. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.